0: I'm DJ Psyched, and you're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. Let's get psyched about reading. This is the Get Psyched Podcast. I'm DJ Psyched, and today we are getting psyched about reading again. This time, it's Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. We are continuing the series of Harry Potter We are on book five of seven, so we're almost there, but uh, yeah, this was just like the last book. This was kind of a long one, so this might be kind of a long discussion. Anyways, I just want to jump into it because this really is going to be long. Uh, Of course, as always, Harry Potter is a very fantasy science fiction, got some drama, got some mystery in there. This one really stood out to me uh, from all of the books. I definitely... Think that this Harry Potter book is the first time that we really stray away from what we've started to get to know, which I think is is really interesting. I mean, we're at book five at this point, and so we definitely know what we expect when we're reading a Harry Potter book. Uh, we understand the format that we're used to with these books, the settings that we're used to, the way our characters act. But this book is so different from the other ones. The characters are really changing in this book. We get New scenes, uh, new places and settings, which is not that unusual in Harry Potter, but the unusual thing is that I feel like Hogwarts isn't as much of the main uh, setting anymore. it's It's really not like there's I'll get into that in a second one with this summary, but it's just really interesting how different this book is from the other ones, and it just it stood out a lot, and, and I'll get into that in this podcast. But yeah, let's go into the the format. Short summary. So like I said, this is the least Harry Potter formatted Harry Potter book yet, which is really funny because we, we just got used to the, the format and now it's changing. Uh, but I guess that's that's how a book series matures, especially when you have seven books. As the title implies, we get to meet the Order of the Phoenix in this story, and their headquarters serves as a very important setting in this story. It, it becomes one of the main settings, definitely and we get a lot of description of the ministry of magic as well we've heard a lot about it but now we're finally going to like the headquarters there like we really get to see the ministry of magic all the different departments like we're getting a lot of that setting we're getting a lot of uh the order of the phoenix headquarters and we still do get hogwarts and like hogsmaids and all those kinds of places but they no longer serve as our main hubs so that's pretty interesting anyways the order was created by dumbledore about a decade or so before during Voldemort's first reign, and they're regrouping to, you know, because the Dark Lord's back, so the defense team's got to be back, right? So the Order of the Phoenix is basically the opposite of the Death Eaters, right? We have the Death Eaters who are on Voldemort's side, and then we have the Order of the Phoenix that sides with Dumbledore. So that's that. That's basically the summary without really spoiling too much. Uh, But now that we're going to get into the highlighted moments, and uh, all the all the little relevancies and, and social applications of this story, I would have to put in my spoiler alert. Book's fair game at this point, <laughs> so uh, yeah, listen, if you've heard, uh, if, if you haven't read this yet, I don't recommend continuing on. But yeah, overall, I would say this was a really good book. I'm not a very big fan of some of the characters, especially like Umbridge. And I have to say that um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Harry's attitude in this book either. It was pretty hard to stand the way Harry was acting, and some of the decisions he makes. Uh, just one of those things where you're like, "Oh, why?" But uh, he's been in a, he's been through a lot in the last few years, so it's very understandable that this stuff is is catching up to him and that he's not coping well. But it, like I said, it was pretty it's pretty annoying. But that's gonna actually come in with the discussion question today, so I'll leave all that for the end of the book, but I have so many notes from this that, um, yeah, just bear with me, please. <laughs> Harry's moodiness, I am going to mention it a little bit because it starts at the very beginning of the book. You you immediately get this sense that Harry is not the same after the last book. Uh, Harry's very moody and he like threw away some birthday gifts that his friends got him because he felt like they were ignoring him and he felt like dumbledore was ignoring him and you know his friends are sending owls and stuff which they never used to do but he's just mad because he's not getting the updates he wants he's not knowing what's happening with Voldemort. he just feels like everything's so unfair because he's like well he says it in a part of the uh, book he's like who saved the sorcerer's stone who got rid of riddle who saved both your skins from the Dementors? Like, he just he's just very snappy at people, because he's like, well, I've done all this for you all, and you can't even like update me on things, and... We obviously know why. He doesn't get updated on everything, right? Like, there's just some stuff, like, he's still a kid, he thinks he's really big and mature, because he's done all this stuff, but the, the adults are still trying to handle things. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, whether they're right or not is not really the point I'm trying to make here, it was just... We we do start to see immediately that Harry is very different at this point in the series. He's starting to feel like he deserves a bit more respect than he's given. And he's starting to not want to be taken like a child. And it's very conflicting because, you know, the whole wizarding world is, is freaking out about Voldemort coming back. I mean, this means some terrible things for them. And Harry's just like, I fought Voldemort. I'm big man. <laughs> Anyways, he's not the only one who gets a little hard to stand in this book series. I was pretty disturbed to see Percy's uh, leaving behind his family for the sake of the ministry. And this is where, like I talked about it last week with Miranda, where this book series gets so real. A lot of the like things that happen in it are just so realistic feeling that it makes the stories feel just just unbelievably real. Like there's just really good balance. It really feels like life. and. Percy leaving his family feels like one of those life moments, you know, like, it really does happen. Politics can drive families apart, and and in this case, Percy is, like, he's given his loyalty to the ministry, and he's turned his back on his family, and it's really hard to see from a really good family like the Weasleys, but it just goes to show it it could happen to anyone. We get a lot of this Ministry of Magic kind of drama, like uh, Harry talks about at one point where he just can't believe that he's, like, seeing one of the the Malfoys in the Ministry of Magic especially because they knew that he's a death eater but there it goes back into the whole like the politics and the realness of this story it's like yeah they know to an extent that he's bad but the Ministry's still trying to deny that there's any badness anyway so here's this guy that everyone knows is dangerous and a bad thing but they're letting him into the Ministry of Magic because they're all in such denial and that isn't some relatable politics, man. <laughs> uh, Mr. Weasley gives the answer that we all know is the answer. He's like gold. I expect the Malfoys have been giving generously for years, and he's just talking about how like money and power and all this stuff. It's not really stuff that usually goes to the most noble of people. It's money and power go to people who you know tend to not be the best and and have a lot of greed and. That's just how the system works. That's how what they have to deal with in Harry Potterland, and guess what? We do too. <laughs> and we talked about this last week, right? Like these stories seem to call out a lot of corruption in in systems, and of course, there's probably a lot of comparisons you can make with the Ministry of Magic and the government. Um, but I think that it could tie into any kind of large corporate uh, business or anything, right? Like, where does the heart lay? Where does where's the priority? Um, that kind of stuff we get it a lot in this story, and getting back to it, like I said, this story is very real. It's not just moments that talk about like the government corruption. It's on a very friendship and personal level. I think although Harry is so annoying in this book, I really liked that I could relate to a lot of his feelings, even the ones that were less uh, less good, <laughs> feelings that were probably not that fantastic like when uh, ron ends up getting the prefect badge she had these feelings of jealousy and he knew they were wrong again he just couldn't stop himself from feeling it. and i really really do like this moment because harry for once because i feel like he doesn't do it so much in this book he's being a little introspective he's self-aware of the fact that he shouldn't feel this way towards his friend it's his friend he should be proud of him But he's also aware that he has these feelings regardless of whether he wants the feelings and that's something i think a lot of people especially around harry's puberty age can relate to you have so many feelings and even though you may know they're irrational at times it's hard to override feelings with logic but yeah he he really says to himself like did he really believe he's better than ron and i don't think harry believes that one bit but harry's a growing kid and when he has these emotions he has them Uh, so it just makes him makes him really real and it's also interesting because around this point he says that he starts to feel better once he realizes his dad wasn't a prefect so it just goes to show the kind of like interesting thought process that he has at this point and it's crazy because it's relatable (laughs) i mean it wasn't that long ago that i was a little younger and i'm still pretty young so i can relate to a lot of what he's going through the hat's new song great moment uh, right the hat apparently sings a different song every year and this time the hat is really warning them and obviously everyone is not that shocked like Voldemort's back most people agree with that and uh well not most uh, some people do but the hat warns them saying that like if we do not unite we're going to crumble from within like the houses were meant to be one unit people forget right that like when Hogwarts started it wasn't Slytherin versus Gryffindor as it really is now. They were meant to be one. They were meant to separate only for the sake of of having different strengths and recognizing those strengths, not hating each other for those strengths. And so he's trying to warn them that if they don't become one, they're going to divide. And it's so funny because they should be stopping and thinking like, "Oh, that's true. Like we're it's not it's not us against Slytherin against Voldemort. It's it should be us versus the evil, Voldemort, Death Eaters, and all that. But instead, <laughs> they're like, fat chance, like, that we're all going to be friends. That's not going to happen. And Hermione's like, well, you just shouldn't have that attitude. But they do anyways. So, I mean, it's pretty realistic, because, like, if they would all been like, yes, we should hold hands and unite after all these years of hating each other just for their little differences, that's not, it's, it's just not the way it works, sadly. But yeah, uh, like I said, most people, or you'd hope most people, some people agree that Voldemort's back, but there is a, a big point in this story that like, yeah, it's very split. Some people believe the ministry, they side with the ministry, they think Harry's this crazy guy who doesn't know what he's talking about, he didn't see Voldemort, and then there's people like Neville who stood up for him and said that, yeah, I believe what's going on. I just thought it was interesting how torn apart the community was. Right. some people thought that harry was lying some people thought they were he was telling the truth and this tore apart harry this again goes back to why harry's feeling this way i mean he's dealing with all of these things right he's been through all this trauma over the last few years facing voldemort many times and at this point like he's he's not let it affect him fully like he's he's not like sitting there being like oh what was me why am i this but he kind of starting to get some of that feeling like he's like well why is why am i the one that's to deal with all this garbage i'm tired of being the one that gets looked at the boy who lived and he's starting to you know lash out at people a lot because of it i don't know it's all very understanding (laughs) because like half the people in his life are just like calling him nuts and then the other half are like well we believe you but that doesn't really change the situation he's in but one thing I really like about this, in all of this, like, yes, Harry is justified in his feelings. He can be distressed because of what's happening. I mean, it's like a hard situation to be put in. No one's taken their eyes off of Harry in like the last four years and he's kind of tired of it. But at the same time, he starts to like act rude towards Hermione and Ron and people who are very close to him. And a lot of people just kind of take it for the fact that like, hey, he's been through a lot. But I love that Hermione continues to call him out on it. She does a lot. She's like, hey, like, you can't lash out on us. Like, we're the ones defending you. Like, stop it. And (laughs) she stands up for herself quite a lot, which I really like, because although it's easy to step back and be like, well, Harry's just gone through a lot. You can't really just let him get away with treating the people that are being good to him like that. Like, yeah, I completely understand it when he wants to lose it on the students who are actively calling him crazy and saying that they won't believe him and all this stuff but as for the people that are on his side it, it, it's not cool and i think it's a very relatable thing i think a lot of people have done what harry's done right and i've done it before too you're just like mad and you're in a bad mood and you take it on people who don't deserve it and it's just another one of those nice little tidbits for them to throw in there uh, although it makes harry very unbearable let's get into a few more random points that just I don't know they're just nice. I think one that was really funny was uh when they were talking I don't I don't know exactly which character said it but they were talking about the tornadoes like a sports team and they're like oh come on half the people you see wearing these badges only wore or only bought them last season and they're like well what does it matter and it's like it means they're not real fans just jumping on a bandwagon and it's just so funny because it's just the smallest of points it's just the little details that are put into these stories that just make it feel so real because there's so many people who say that i hate i absolutely hate when people are like you only like it because it's popular you only started listening to them when they became popular you only got into this thing because it's popular and i'm like well if it's popular maybe it's actually good like wh- i don't know the hipster culture thing right it's really annoying so i just thought it was cute that they kind of in- included that in there because it's just a it's just a random fun little thing to throw in there and make it feel more like real teenagers because this is This is for real how teenagers interact. I don't know. Now, one of my absolute favorite points in this book is about education and its importance. So this is Harry's year to take the owls. And they're basically like, I don't know, weird SATs that you take in the middle of your Hogwarts time to see if you can move on to the next level of Hogwarts and taking classes and your future careers and all that good jazz. And so... I I love just how real they get with the owls. The students are really stressed out. They're getting way too much homework. They're like, freaking out and trying to get all their studying done. Pretty relatable content. But it's when teachers, uh, certain teachers, give their, give their thoughts on education that I think it, <laughs> the points really come in. It's Professor Umbridge who makes the worst point of all. She's kind of like saying oh, well, as long as you can pass your exams, like, that's what matters. This is school. It's not the real world. And all the students are like, D- what? Like, you're the defense against the dark arts teacher. If Voldemort's out there, like, we need to know how to defend ourselves. And she's like, well, this is school, not the real world. And it's like, well, where do you think people are meant to learn how to live in the real world? At school, like, we have no other place. And so that kind of just is a testament uh, towards, like, how... You know when people focus too much on exams and all oh, your exam scores and all oh, your exams make up your life you kind of tend to push back the important part of education right it's actually supposed to teach us we're actually supposed to be able to use this stuff one day what is the point in learning things if you can't apply them and we do have a uh, one teacher the um divination teacher who says you know it's really not that important if you pass or fail my exams If you have the seeing eye your grades won't matter and it's kind of going off the point like if you know things if you can do things what does a grade matter i don't know like if i were to test you on like doing your laundry and you failed does that mean you can't do your laundry tomorrow like it really doesn't matter if you have the practical application and i just thought it was really cool how the owls were such a a big point in the story because (laughs) There's all this crazy stuff happening. Voldemort's taken over and the world is absolute chaos, but the exams go on. (laughs) And if that's not the most relatable thing about teen years, I don't know what is. Going with the homework theme, we also have this moment where Hermione's like, but this is much more important than homework and everyone's really weirded out by it because this is Hermione, the girl that loves homework. Hermione loves doing her homework and she's all into it. But even Hermione can stop and be like, some things matter more. And we also get a moment like this with Hagrid where he's like, some things matter more than a job. And I think this is a really big theme in this story. Like the idea that there's a big picture and then there's the little elements of your life, which don't matter that much, to be honest. And (laughs) it can seem like some things are the most important thing in the world, right? Um, There's also the moment where the twins decide to leave Hogwarts, epic moment, love that moment so much, but in that moment, they're basically saying like, hey, we have a whole life ahead of us, Uh, degree in Hogwarts is gonna mean very little at the moment, like, I want to go out and do things, and they actually end up doing some great things, but I'm pretty sure that's in the next book, because I kind of started already, so I'm not gonna get into that, but it is a big theme in the story, right, that yes, the ministry is a lot of the ministry people especially uh the head of the ministry the minister of magic he's trying to deny voldemort and all this stuff he's trying to save his career he's trying to save face like he's very much into himself and his selfish ways and so a lot of the people in the ministry um, but it's the people who truly believe in the mission that are willing to risk it all for the mission there's dumbledore who leaves hogwarts for a while because he sees it as more important that harry's there because he knows the full plan like he He's looking into the future and the importance of how things are going to play out he doesn't care if in the meantime he loses his job neither does hagrid even hermione can say that that grades won't matter so much if in the end like they're gonna fight voldemort like who's gonna care about your grades if everyone dies from voldemort like obviously there are some things more important than school and your job and your little minuscule things It's a great point to bring up because i think especially in a time like this in the world right it's very easy in any time in the world, it's really easy to get caught up in the minuscule every days of your life. It's very easy to just feel like the little things matter so much more than they do and to let them get into your head and to to really focus on all the wrong things when there's a really big picture that we are missing. There's the fact that like some things definitely matter more. We don't matter that much. Our lives don't matter quite as much as we wish they did and Hey, I talked about this with Alex when when she was on the podcast, like, the universe, it'll keep going on. Whether I have my job, whether I make this podcast, whether I finish reading this book, the universe will continue, right? The little things we do that matter so much to us, they don't matter that much to the universe. But there is always a bigger cause, and we could potentially be... I don't know hurting the bigger picture for the sake of our little things like what would be the point in stressing over finals if voldemort took over and took everyone down some things just matter more you know so that's the point it was a great point to make i love how they threw that in there with a lot of the characters like i i feel like it's the characters who we should perceive as good who find the small details of their lives don't go above the world and it's the ones that we see as like. Hmm, Voldemort, Umbridge, the Ministry of Magic like these people who are not so great our antagonists, they are antagonists. They're the selfish ones who are putting very little minuscule things first. Now going back to uh Harry's mood and also big themes in this story. I definitely think aging and how we act is a big theme in this story. I think it's hilarious because that's a part of being a teenager, right? Feeling misunderstood feeling like no one can relate to you and feeling like you know all the answers and you could fix everything and like why why are the adults doing this like as if there's no bigger reason as if like oh it's just this simple and harry really does think like that a lot it ends up getting him in big trouble at the end of the story he's like i could fix this all on my own i don't need an adult's help (laughs) and that's that was a terrible idea on his part but hermione is incredibly emotionally mature like when when Cho is having uh, this emotional breakdown and it's kind of reflecting through with her relationship with Harry, like she's acting really funny in front of Harry and she uh, cries a lot and she's just kind of exploding and, and being a little irrational with him. And Hermione's like, well, she just did that because she's feeling stressed about the fact that she likes you and her ex-boyfriend's dead and it's a conflicting thing for her. And she goes off on this whole tangent about what Cho must be feeling and then Ron and Harry look at her like, well, how could someone feel all that? That doesn't make sense. And she calls them out for being, like, emotionally numb, not knowing how to understand emotions. And Hermione is really good at being emotionally mature. I mean, she's the one who knows when the limits are there, you know, like when should we care about life over school when should we study over doing ridiculous things hermione's good at reading people's emotions hermione's good at calling people out and i think that at this point we see that she is the most mature of the three we're almost at the end of this all right sorry that this may have been very jumbled up but this book was really all over the place and it covered a lot of ground again going into practical application there was the da right Dumbledore's army, the students who decided that they would gather outside of the school whether it was allowed or not because it was more important to them to defend themselves in the case of an emergency than it was to not get in trouble with the school. And the DA, once it comes to this point where Harry needs help, the DA is willing to step up a few of the members. Harry's like, no, I don't need your help, like, I'm gonna go do this on my own, and they're like, why did you train us if you didn't want our help in the end? And it just kind of goes back to the whole practical application thing, right? Like, what's the point in learning stuff? If you, in the moment, when the day comes that you need the information, you're not going to use it. And I think that a lot of people can attest to this feeling, right? Like, we learn to do so much and there's so much that you can learn. But if you're not going to use the knowledge when it comes down to it, what's the point? And I actually think this is hilarious because I was just recently talking about this with someone we were um discussing CPR and CPR lessons and I personally have gotten CPR certified and I know a lot of people who have who don't ever want to give CPR. Like <laughs> it's so silly, but like just the fear around it, right? Like you can learn to do CPR, but when it comes down to actually using it, that's scary. In a real life situation, that's scary. And no one can prepare you for how scary using some kind of knowledge might be, right? You might have gotten like really good at swimming and got your lifeguard license. But in the event that someone's drowning and their life is in your hands, that's far more scary than learning. And that's the point that Harry tries to bring up in Hogsmaid actually, because they're like, Hermione's like, Can you teach us about defense against the dark arts and all that? And he's like, What qualifies me? And she's like, You've been through it. Like, you've survived so much dark magic. Like, you obviously know something. And he goes off at them and he's like, you don't understand what it's like when death is looking you in the eye and every move could just kill you and all this. And they're like, dude, that's why we asked you to teach us. Tell us. Tell us what that's like. Tell us exactly what it's going to feel like when the moment comes down to it and we need to use this knowledge practically because, you know, it could happen. And I think that, I don't know, it's just a beautiful point, right? There's knowledge and then there's knowledge you can use and then there's actually knowing how to use it when the time comes. And... I don't know. They talk about that a lot in this in this movie or this book. We'll get into the movie in a second. I don't, I don't know about the movie. To tie it all together, at the very end, you know, after the big dramatic scene with Voldemort and all that, Harry Harry sees his godfather die, and it really destroys him. Harry's not the same after that harry doesn't want to be harry anymore he says that in a part of the story this is where harry really breaks like harry was falling apart in this book for sure he was starting to face a lot of his emotions being a teenager all of the changes that come along with that the different feelings he was having and all the emotions he's experiencing and on top of that he just lost the last person that was related to him besides the Dursley's which he hates (laughs) and so it really at this point Harry feels a bit defeated and destroyed and I think we're gonna I if I can make a prediction for the next book I think we're going to to see him face those feelings and hopefully grow from them I'm not far enough into the next book to know if that's true or not but I'd I'd like to believe that we're going to get some more growth out of Harry because when it comes to these kinds of things these very very difficult things you will feel pain everyone will feel pain for a very long time and you may feel that pain for way longer than you could imagine but you can grow from these experiences and I'm hoping that Harry will grow from it especially because he knows that his uncle would have wanted him to become strong and wise and do his best in these situations instead of letting it just tear him apart before he can even try and face all of this he was a fighter and he wants harry to continue being a fighter so i'm hoping that is something we can get from the next book right uh in advancing harry harry who's turning these dark feelings and learning to understand them and use them towards his benefit but like i said to conclude this near the end of the book the they bring up that like youth cannot know how age thinks and feels but old men are guilty if they forget what it is to be young and i think that that is something that the author is really trying to portray to us in this book that yes the youth they be thinking and feeling some wild stuff harry has done some crazy stuff in this book harry has made no sense in certain parts of this book harry has been a little a little annoying teenager at certain parts of this book but we can't forget what that was like because for those of us who are a little older reading this or for those of us who are kind of going through those years or getting past them it's easy To kind of forget what some of that's like until you look back and read it and you're like whoa all these memories are flying but yeah that was that basically that was it as far as my social points I know there's probably so much more I could bring up in this book and like I said I'm sorry if this was all over the place but this was a very long book and they are the books are very long at the end of the series and there's so much happening in them that I didn't even cover a good portion of what happens in this book which brings me in to my next point because now it's time for the movie comparison and wow this book was really good it was it was different it was so different in many ways there were some characters i couldn't stand but i was still completely into the book as i was reading it i loved it every moment was good it was never really a time when i was reading that i was bored with what i was reading Uh, the author Obviously, J.K. Rowling does a really good job with this series. The books are enthralling. Even moments that don't necessarily need to be there don't necessarily add to the story. They tend to add to the world building and how realistic it feels. And there's really not many moments where I'd want to put down the book. But I can't say the same thing about the movie. I don't think it was very suffice to the story. I felt like the scenes, a lot of them were lacking. I felt like a lot of scenes. I like a lot of scenes could have been done better, but not as to dog on the people who made this. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think it is nearly impossible to portray just how much the books bring in a movie. Obviously it would be incredibly long and it would be unrealistic to think that you could put everything from the book into the movie. But it is a little disappointing to watch the movie after you've read the book because you just have so much you want to see and you obviously know you can't see it all. But I don't know. Me personally, I think that I think that what they try to do when they make the movies is that they understand people have likely read the books. And so they kind of give you the scenes you want to see and all that, but what's actually happening, you would really have need like you really would have had to read the books to understand it all properly. That's just how I feel. I think that sometimes when they say things, they say it really fast, and it was like this huge significant thing in the book, but they say it really fast, and I'm like had I not read the book, I don't think I would have at all understood what that meant or how these characters are going to react to that or what should be happening next. I just find them, the movies are rather confusing and obviously I'm not that confused because I just read the book. But I think had I not read the book, I there's no way I could follow a Harry Potter movie, especially this one. I feel like it was really all over the place in the movie and if you've never read the book, you might not 100% understand the whole story. That's just how I feel. I could be wrong on that, but... I really, I found them difficult. Well, before I ever read the series, I think I like kind of tried to watch one Harry Potter movie and I was so confused the whole time. And maybe I'm just like not the brightest with these kinds of things, but that's how I feel about this this movie. I feel like it was a little really, it was a little confusing and it wasn't as enticing as the book, which is a shame because it's a really good book. But like I said, again, I'm not talking on the people who made it. Like it was as good as they made it. It was like watchable. It was not terrible or anything. It just... The expectations were very high because the book was very good you know um something i didn't notice until someone very recently pointed it out to me is that peeves the poltergeist isn't in any of the movies i didn't notice this and and so i'll give them points because like yes there are some pretty significant things in the book that don't end up in the movie but since the books are just so voluminous it is actually pretty easy to miss like even directly after reading the book and watching the movie to miss something like to to realize a scene's not there or to realize a character is not there or that they're not the same i think that uh yeah (laughs) i don't know i was just mind blown when i realized that because peeves does serve some important points and i've noticed that there are things that Peeves does that they just like switch the way it happens like peeves not peeves um oh yes um our little dobby house elf he was supposed to warn the da about uh, Umbridge trying to come and get them he he ran down told harry and they all just barely got away except for a few of them it's not at all how it happened in the movie they like broke a hole in the wall and just caught them right then and there red-handed and i don't know like that that scene was really disappointing because like i wanted to see dobby and it, it really was a good scene in the book but in the movie it was very cheap and fast feeling um but yeah, I didn't. Otherwise, I didn't really notice Peeves missing. <laughs> Anyways, some just the last like scene that I really wanted to bring up individually, because like I said, there's just way too much in this book. It was the scene where the Weasley brothers left Hogwarts. I already mentioned this. It was pretty epic. They decided higher education wasn't for them anymore and they wanted to open up their joke sh- their joke shop. And since they had money, like school served them no purpose. So they got rid of school and just went to go do their thing but the scene was so epic in the book like there were fireworks going off everywhere and they had oh was there no the fireworks scene I think was a separate one which was confusing they made a swamp in the last one when they decided to leave anyways yeah they kind of combined it all in the movie and just had them leave pretty quickly after not causing a whole lot of mayhem but in the book they caused like all this mayhem a couple of times and they had really come together to make this really genius move and they're on their knees on the floor and they end up calling their brooms over and they break a hole and Umbridge's a wall and they fly away all epically. I don't know I probably didn't describe that well at all but basically it was super epic in the book and not the movie so that was a shame. But yeah otherwise it was a really really good book. Uh, the movie wasn't my favorite so I just had to be honest about it. Comparing the book and movie for this one it just it, it didn't really live up to it in my In my mind. so now finally getting to the end, the discussion question. Harry is so moody in this book as I've already brought up many times and I think it is a big thing that you notice and feel when you read this book which is why I wanted to make the discussion about it. why do you think that this mood change happened at this point in the series? why wasn't he like this when he first went to Hogwarts and what changes in the new book might have contributed to this. So I'm only going to answer this briefly because obviously I've spoken a lot about it already so I don't want to bore you by repeating the same things but he's at that age where things are changing within him. He's going to have different feelings. He's going to understand things differently. He's not the little boy he was when he went off to Hogwarts which what I think he was like 12. He's like in his late teens. He's really starting to see himself and understand the world differently, understand more complexities. He also just understands in general more because when he started at hogwarts he knew nothing of the wizarding world and now he understands the wizarding world he understands the corruption that underlies it he understands just how unfair he's being treated considering he didn't really do anything he didn't ask for this life he didn't ask to be quote unquote the chosen one or the boy who lived he's just a boy and when he first went to hogwarts it was like interesting i'm learning all these new things oh people think things about me but it he was such a nuance to it all that it really couldn't have affected him that much but now that he understands the wizarding world and he's gotten a reputation and people have hated on him for a very long time it's it's catching up to him he's gotten to that age and that place in his personal life where he has a big understanding of things and enough has happened to him over the last few years that he's just tired he's emotionally drained and he doesn't really know how to deal with it because he really never consistently feels like he has anyone there's been moments where ron's kind of turned his back on him although he always comes back there's been moments where he's kind of gotten fed up with hermione but then he gets her back so he's got these two friends that are pretty stable but other than his friends he doesn't have a whole lot of family like he has the weasleys who are there for him a lot but he doesn't have his own family that he feels like he can fall back on and when he finally does get his own family it's a guy who has to go into hiding and can't be stable in his life and someone he can't always reach out to harry also found someone in Dumbledore but obviously in this book Dumbledore has to be pretty distant and he explains himself in the end but Harry just feels so many conflicting feelings of of being at this age and not having someone to turn to when he's scared or has these moments where he wish he could just talk to his parents and all that it's at first it was just a longing for parents right I want parents and all that but now his life is so complicated he really wishes he had that stability and guidance and he doesn't and it's making him lash out So that's just what I, those are just some thoughts that I had on that, but (laughs) if you have any different thoughts or if you want to discuss it a little, you can totally check out the Goodreads in the description. I would love to engage in discussion about this with anyone. That's basically it. Thank you for bearing through this with me if you listened to the whole thing. I have two more books to go, so I'm very excited to continue this series and hopefully get some more guests on to talk about it (laughs) so that I can make a little more sense. But thank you for listening if you've gotten this far. Let's stay psyched about reading.